Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. The day of their deaths, January 2nd, 1981, Verna and Doug's bodies were flown by helicopter back to the mainland. The next day, they were autopsied by the acting medical examiner of Ventura County, Dr. Craig Duncan. Hi, Dr. Duncan. Dana Goodyear. Nice to meet you. I met Dr. Duncan recently at his home in Ventura, which is full of California oil paintings and human skulls. He's a psychiatrist now and wears a big opal ring. But back in 1981, he was a forensic pathologist. Graduated from medical school in 1969. Then I went to Baltimore to complete my training under Russell Fisher, um, who was really the, the grandfather of forensic pathology or the, the, a major figure. Um, and I spent He saw the case of Verna and Doug as... Uncomplicated. It's a standard autopsy of a standard drowning case and um, handled in that fashion with uh, fairly fresh bodies and obvious drowning results. There was clearly evidence of water drowning, um, lungs being full of water. I had the autopsy reports with me, and we went through them together. It didn't take long. Very little on, on Douglas's uh, body in terms of external markings. Let me see if I have, I have Verna over here. So this is Verna. See, no trauma. Uh -huh. Very little evidence of uh, any trauma at all on Verna's body. Uh -huh. Same with Douglas. Other than what I would anticipate in a struggle to prevent one from drowning. Not a struggle with another human. No, just a, a struggle to survive. Yeah. Other than the injury of drowning, there were no injuries. 
no indication that Verna or Doug had been attacked. And I contend that there was no evidence of homicide in the initial autopsies as evidenced by no assault wounds, clubbing on the head with an oar, etc., and no defense wounds, bruises, fractures on the arms, which would be just human nature to do in the event of a, an attack. It was simple, he said. No trauma, no assault of wounds, no homicide. Dr. Duncan declared Verna and Doug's deaths accidental. That determination freed Fred as next of kin to proceed with his funerary plans. They drowned on Friday. The autopsies happened on Saturday. On Monday, he'd have a memorial for Verna and Doug at the Malibu Methodist Church, followed by a reception at the house on Sea Level Drive. Meanwhile, he arranged to have the bodies moved to a mortuary in Los Angeles and scheduled them to be cremated on Wednesday, January 7th. Then their ashes would be scattered at sea. And Fred would begin to put back the pieces of his life as the single father of three young girls. Or that's what he assumed. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills. Episode 2, Quiet No Longer. Fred slept alone in his and Verna's bed. In the morning, he'd have the awful task of telling Verna's daughter Kim and his daughters Heidi and Kirsten that Verna and Doug would not be coming home. They remember it, how he sat them down and started methodically going through it. Yeah, he told us. He did. And it was hard because it's like hearing a story that you do not want to know the ending to. And he didn't just start off. He started off telling us that they were out on the boat and the dog had jumped into the water. But it's, you know, we're just waiting. He didn't just come out and say it. And then, you know, he told us. It was shocking. That's Heidi. We met up over the summer at Heidi's house in Colorado. Kirsten was there, too, and so was Kim. Fred, they said, had gone through the story in order. The dog, the birds, the dory overturning, the attempts at CPR. Here's Kim. But he did start from the beginning of what had happened and and walked us through each step. And then told us that they were gone. The three sisters are incredibly close. Add to that, they all look a lot alike. Even though Kim, Verna's daughter from her first marriage, is not blood-related to Heidi and Kirsten. The similarities are uncanny. Same straight dark hair, same long oval faces, same vivid dark eyes. Oh, people have asked if we're triplets. I mean, Heidi and I get twins all the time, and then when the three of us are together, they ask if we're triplets. Kim says this was going on even back when Verna and Doug were alive. And then there were times when my mom would take us um, out 
and she might have like all four of us, and somehow it would come up that we were a blended family, you know, in the very beginning. Oh, it was a guessing and then game guessing of who game. was who were the two biological siblings? And I think a lot of times it was sometimes was it you and Doug? Doug and I would get matched they would all get the matched. time. It's strange, but the sisters remember that time right after Verna and Doug died as weirdly sweet. The three girls and Fred at home eating food dropped off by the neighbor ladies, figuring out how to cope. I have a lot of good memories of the three of us and Dad and the jokes about all the freaking casseroles. He would just pull something out because all the women were bringing over casseroles. So we're like, well, this is our dinner tonight. He rearranged their rooms so the girls could all sleep together. Kim and I had a bedroom downstairs and Kirsten and Doug upstairs. And then after the accident, he built us a triple bunk bed. So we were right off the kitchen, right next to his room. And I remember just being in there one time and he was in the kitchen doing the dishes, like listening to Devo and just like (laughs) singing along. It was like another little lifetime of happiness. Because I felt like we all got it together and we were like, you know, a family again. The little lifetime wouldn't, couldn't last. And I still don't remember the timeline of when we didn't know who they were, men coming to talk to my dad periodically. And and we didn't know what that was about. The men coming to see Fred were detectives from the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department. They specialized in homicides. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash loss today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot slash lost. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. 
Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer, So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Fred Rayler is a waterman. Before prison, the water was his life, which is kind of surprising given where he grew up, in Centerville, Indiana. You know, that's funny. Um, I was always interested in, in water. As a kid, he became obsessed with the new sport of scuba diving. My parents put a pool in, which was sort of rare back in Indiana in the days. It was uh, very helpful. And I actually bought a scuba tank and a and a regulator uh, after I read some of Jacques Cousteau's stuff and watched him on television. So I taught myself to, to swim around and clean the pool without killing myself. And uh, so that's basically how I really got fascinated with it. Later, during college, he taught swimming. When I was at Purdue, uh, one of my electives was water safety instructors. So they actually taught us the Red Cross methods for teaching swimming. And when I came back, I actually did swimming lessons in our pool for uh, uh, a lot of people. And then when I left, uh, I left my Red Cross hat and instruction books, and my mother started teaching swimming. And she taught swimming for several years. After college, he got his job at Point Magoo, working as an engineer for the Navy. And the Navy sent him to its scuba school in San Diego. The reason for diving was 
most of our trouble was with stuff underwater. It would either leak or it wasn't connected right or, you know, something was going wrong. So they sent me basically to scuba school, and then that allowed me to work with Navy divers to help install things and also take pictures of them and, you know, just see what was going on. The Navy started sending him to the Pacific Missile Range Facility on Kauai. They actually had an underwater range which is like a series of microphones spread out underwater, and they can track uh, surface ships and submarines and things. Their sound. Fred oriented his whole life around the water. For a while, he even lived on a houseboat called Home in the Channel Islands Marina in Oxnard. He had a little side business there, cleaning the bottoms of sailboats for race days. That's where he met one of the winningest skippers in the harbor, Dick Felthoen. So we did crazy things for sport. We had a friend who was a Navy pilot on helicopters, and we used to go to San Nicolas Island, which was 60 miles offshore. And I could do some jobs out there because we had some uh, weather stuff out there. So I'd go out there on the weekend, and he would actually drop us out of the helicopter in really nice spots where we could get uh, lobster and, and things like that. The Channel Islands were Fred's playground before they became the place his wife and stepson died. One of the things the detectives from Santa Barbara were struggling to figure out was how someone with Fred's water experience had failed to save a child in a life preserver. They first showed up at Sea Level Drive five days after Verna and Doug died. It was 11 a.m. on Wednesday, January 7th, the day Fred had scheduled Verna and Doug's cremations. Fred greeted them cordially. Can I get both of your names before I forget? Their names were Claude Tuller and Fred Ray. Ray did most of the talking. He gave the impression that the last place he wanted to be was in Malibu, bothering a grieving husband. He was reassuring if disingenuous. He failed to mention that he had a tape recorder running. Let, let me explain this to you. Can I call you Fred? Sure. Okay, I'm Fred Austin. Santa Cruz uh, Island, Ray said, was part of Santa Barbara the, County, the, so the deaths were in their jurisdiction. Our problem is this, is that we, were, we received a phone call because we're supposed to investigate because it was in Santa Barbara County. He was going to need Fred's help, clearing up a few murky details. To be honest with you, Fred, we really don't know what much about what's going on. We have no idea of, uh, well, I can't say we had no idea. We do have an idea of what happened out at the island, but everything is really sketchy. So uh, we're kind of like thrown into it after the fact. We don't know if if uh, how it was ruled, if it was accidental or if it's intentional or whatever. We don't know that. So far as we know, it, it certainly looks like it, it was accidental. And uh, so we, we are only looking into it to, to ascertain what the circumstances were and what happened, if you understand. Yes. Detective Ray said... It certainly looks like it was accidental. That's because there was barely any physical evidence. Just Fred's story 
and a whole lot of head scratchers. The other thing that I, I would suggest that maybe we do is, uh, uh, you know, remind you that, that if, if there's anything wrong with this at all, that, you know, you have certain rights to. Uh, so I don't know if it's necessary at that point, but uh, certainly I would want to make you aware of every every right that you have, plus I'm sure there's going to be... He mentioned that there might be some civil problems associated with the drownings. But I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of legal things that you're going to have to, you know, mm-hmm. consult with, don't you think, Cole? More than likely, So... He read Fred his Miranda rights. I should let, remind you that you do have the right to remain silent, and anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Amazingly, Fred went ahead with the interview without his lawyer. Again, that's just for your awareness. You know, I I know that it's going to really, really be difficult to to talk about this. I remarked when I was, I first heard about it on the the news, yeah, what a tragedy. Fred seemed eager to please or form a rapport with the detectives. Well, I've, you know, we've had uh, a service for both of them uh, Monday, and we had friends over afterwards. And a lot of my friends are really into sailing and uh, the ocean and all those things. And uh, we remarked over and over that how many times has it, uh, have you dumped a boat and everybody just got wet, a little angry, and got back in and everything was fine. He said Doug, whom he referred to as his son, was very comfortable in the water. That's part of the things that I find, you know, really as as perverse as it is, is that uh, my son was a good swimmer. Uh, He had just mastered standing up on a boogie board. I mean, he was small, he was a small boy, Mm -hmm. uh, but very agile and he was a good swimmer. Mm-hmm. He was practically babbling, answering questions the detectives hadn't even asked. But I think part of the thing that got him was the fact that he was wearing a life jacket, that he was trapped underneath the boat. Or was he trapped under the boat? Well, and again, that's something that I can only surmise, because uh, initially I was trapped under the boat. Mm-hmm. I had a camera on, and uh, the camera strap got hooked in the... Uh, the Orlock. The, in fact, I drew a picture of that. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the boat. It was a 16-foot shock rolling dory. Yeah, I saw the boat yesterday. Todd and I did. Next, Ray wanted to know about any objects that were in the boat with them. Clues that could corroborate the locations in his story or work to contradict them. Did you have anything in the boat other than than the three of you? I mean, any, uh, were you carrying sandwiches or coats or anything like that? No, no, we had... The answer was no, but Fred took the question as an invitation to back all the way up to the purchase of his sailboat months earlier. Well, let me, let me go back. I guess the easiest thing is to really start in the beginning. And, uh, about, uh, September, August or September of last year, we really had a desire to get a boat. Mm-hmm. And 
thought we would we were to a point where we could really take off and do some sailing as a family. It sounded like he wanted the detectives to be happy for him. We just felt so fortunate. I mean, uh, so it was really just uh, like a real dream come true that we could get the boat. And then we spent uh, just about every weekend sailing her, uh, initially just day sailing her with friends, mm-hmm. and then finally going out to the islands, and uh, we made a number of trips out there. Then he started talking about Lady, the Beagle. We had just gotten a dog about uh, maybe a month. I'd have to look at the records, but maybe a month or two months ago. The whole family wanted a dog, and I was sort of against the dog. One, because we had a boat, and we had four children, I felt they could pet each other if they really needed it. We didn't need something else to take care of. But they won, and we got a little beagle puppy. Uh, And we had taken her in the car, and we would taken her up and spent the night on the boat, but we never had her out. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons for the trip was, one, my parents were here from Indiana. I, I seem like I'm rambling. Uh, so we were all aboard, and we got underway in the morning. My mother actually sailed the boat all the way over, and then uh, we put the sails down, and then my wife uh, takes the boat, handles the helm at that point, and we put down a bow anchor and a stern anchor. Uh, we had lunch. The detectives let him talk and talk until he'd pretty much talked himself out. In fact, I'm going to pick some tea. Can I get you some instant coffee? I've got that or some oh, yeah. juice. Or... Fred needed a break. I little coffee wouldn't hurt. Thank you. The hidden tape recorder capturing the interrogation wasn't the only secret Ray and Tuller were keeping from Fred. Doug and Verna had not, in fact, been cremated that day. Unbeknownst to Fred, their bodies were sitting in cold storage at the mortuary, waiting for a deputy from Santa Barbara to pick them up on a judge's search warrant. That deputy would bring the bodies back to Santa Barbara, where they'd each undergo a second secret autopsy, which would tell a very different story about what happened at Bird Rock. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The City of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the City of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. After Fred returned with the coffee, Detective Ray took charge of the conversation. Okay, basically, you're not sure what time it was when you went out in the, the dinghy from your boat. No, the best, you know, it was after lunch. Um, you know, it's probably, and again, it's probably between 1 and one thirty somewhere around in there. Okay, <clears throat> and then you, you rolled out by the rocks from the point where you had the accident, uh, you could still see your boat where it was anchored. Yes. How far off of that rock would you say you were? Probably 20 to 30 feet. When the accident happened. Fred had told the detectives that the purpose of being in the open ocean in the dory was to take a picture, Doug and Lady, with bird rock and perseverance. How are you going to take the picture now? You wanted the picture? Yeah, we, we were, I was going to be sitting, I was sitting on the floor 
on the boat. Mm -hmm. And my son was going to be holding the dog. And the picture would have been looking from this point over his shoulder. You would have seen the rocks and the birds. He would have been in the foreground, the rocks and the birds. And then Perseverance would have been in the background. Oh, I see. But that didn't really square. Was that kind of close to take a, a picture of the rock? No, I mean, just because of the size of the rock, would that, isn't that kind of close to get it in a photograph? I don't really understand, I guess, your question. In other words, if you're going to take a picture of, of say, he he's your son, mm -hmm. and I'm you sitting here with a camera, mm -hmm. and you want the boat in the background mm -hmm. and the rock to the side, mm -hmm. well, to see that it's a rock, uh, if you're so close to it, it's all you're going to see is just a big wall. Well, you have to, I guess, really look through the camera and see what the field of view is in the camera because it's not a wide angle. It's a, it's a narrower type of thing. I was basically listening to her as to where she wanted the boat. We'd rode out and we'd stopped. And Verna said, okay, this, will, this should work. I think we're awards. This, this ought to work here. So I brought the oars in the boat, and I slipped off the seat down into the floor. So her back would have been towards us here, and she was sitting on a cushion, and she had another cushion up in this V. Excuse me a second. Fred, the newly single dad, was juggling. Hi. Uh, no, she went with uh, Grandma. Well, I don't know. They went into town. Okay. Uh, so she would have been sitting with her back to us. Ray wanted to know about Doug's condition after the dory flipped. Was his eyes open or closed? His eyes were open. Was he breathing, could you tell? No, he wasn't breathing. Just following him. You know, he was just running from his mouth. He wasn't he wasn't shaking, he wasn't retching. Mm -hmm. What color was the vomit again? Yellow. It's almost like you could see the corn chips and stuff that he had had for lunch. Detective Ray knew Fred had a lot of ocean experience. Well, living next to the ocean here, you've been around the ocean most of your life. Sounds like. I came to California in 1966. And my first job was with the Navy at Point Magoo. Basically, been near the water and ever since. Was this your first sailboat? It was my first sailboat. I'd had two houseboats before that. And I crewed on uh, a number of sailboats. Uh, the biggest the interview went on for hours, till it was 6 o'clock at night. The detectives were still asking Fred questions, while the kids were popping in and out. Okay. Hi, I'll be up in a minute, okay? By the time the detectives were done with Fred, the tone had shifted. They were less reassuring, and Fred was less chummy. 
somehow we, we need to figure out if, if there's a way we can figure out to to make sure that there was no foul play or anything like that with this. Ray handed the baton to his colleague, Claude Tuller. Well, there's probably a couple of ways uh, if you're willing to uh, a polygraph examination. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, I would probably have to talk to uh, my attorney uh, and then find out just exactly what, you know, what really I should be doing. Before you take the polygraph? I think I really, I, I really need to talk to him oh, before sure. whatever we do. Just, uh, you know, Lord knows you're sure going through a lot now. We understand. We, we were just hoping because... You know, there's no way to tell one way or another right now. We were just hoping there's some way that we could make it easy on us mm-hmm. and shorten everything out. And get well, I think it's going to come, almost come down to that anyway because uh, I don't know if uh, Berna and, and Doug had insurance. Insurance? So that's what this was all about? Yes. So we'll have to, we'll have to come to some type of resolution there more likely before they'll settle a claim. Mm-hmm. What, were they both insured? Yeah, our whole family was insured. As it happened, there were life insurance policies on both Verna and Doug. Fresh ones. They'd been finalized in the weeks before their deaths. And the policies were substantial, with an additional payout in the case of accidental death. The second secret autopsies would never have happened had it not been for a Malibu woman named Candy Hinman. Candy had been a close friend of Fred's first wife, Jean, and she had serious concerns about Fred. I wasn't at liberty to say anything to anybody because it's such a small town and a small group of people, and I didn't want to make some accusation or say anything that um, I, I just didn't want to do that, so I kept quiet about it. And just thought things would all, uh, things would, un, you know, unravel and everybody figure it out. But when she heard that Verna and Doug had drowned, she was beside herself. That's when I said, I am quiet no longer. I don't care if I become persona non grata for all the community. I was not going to keep quiet. Candy started making calls. It was very urgent. They were scheduled to be cremated. And I said, hold, hold it, hold everything. You've got to do some kind of investigation. I think there was a murder committed. Candy wasn't trying to gossip or sling mud. She was on a crusade. I was determined that day that I was going to make sure that somebody held him accountable, that somebody was going to realize that there's a monster out there. Before they closed the case on Verna and Doug, she told the cops, they needed to find out what happened to Fred's first wife. Coming up on the next episode of Lost Hills, marriage in Malibu looked a little different in the 70s. But there, there, there was a group 
who, like me, had never slept with anybody else before we got married. It was just, you just didn't do it. And so there was a little bit of a freedom for some people to, you know, get intimate with other people. It was open marriage, and it ended in a couple of divorces. That's next in Episode 3, The Shallow End, Part 1. Lost Hills is written and reported by me, Dana Goodyear. It's created by me and Ben Adair and produced by Western Sound and Pushkin Industries. Subscribe to Pushkin Plus and you can hear the whole season ad-free and get early access to the final two episodes. Find Pushkin Plus on the Lost Hills show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.